This episode of On the Limb with Nature's Voice Game Calls is brought to you by Will Jewelry and Loan. When you need cash and you need it fast, check out Will Jewelry and Loan. Come on in with your jewelry, firearms, electronics, tools, lawn equipment, dirt bikes, side-by-sides, and even four-wheelers. They will be any competitor's loan amount, and that's a fact. Wheel Jewelry and Loan guarantees faster and more cash for your loan than any other company in the area. They have your cash you need fast. Check them out today on their Facebook page or give them a call at 304-768-5101. Stop in and talk with them at 5523 McCorkle Avenue, Southwest, South Charleston, West Virginia. Wheel Jewelry and Loan, 304-768-5101. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of On the Limb with Nature's Voice Game Calls. We got a pretty special guest here tonight, Kirk Price with uh, Whitetail Properties. He's a land specialist with them. And I've also got co-host Dan Hall and Dave Young here with me. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing well, Michael. Kirk, good to have you on here. Dave, glad you you made it tonight. Yeah, we missed you last oh, week. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you guys. Good day. Well, I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we just wanted to bring you on, you know, to kind of give a little introduction of uh, how you got started in the outdoor industry and different things like that. We know you've had uh, some different uh, journeys there in the outdoor industry. So we'll start off with uh, you just uh, born and raised here in Boo County, West Virginia. And uh, you had a nice uh, buck harvest here November 21st. And there's a pretty interesting story that goes behind that. And you want to share that with us? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where would you like me to start? Uh, just to kind of, uh, I guess my background first. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, I am originally from Boone County, West Virginia. I grew up on route 85. Uh, I, uh, I had a, you know, deep passion for the outdoors. Um, I remember being a kid and, uh, you know, we just, we just hunt the weekend Saturday. We usually go hunt. And I remember being so anxious just to get out there and, and uh, get to spend time out on the, the farm we hunted. But uh, that was kind of where I, you know, I, I guess got my passion for the outdoors is spending time on the weekends with my dad and grandpa and stuff hunting. And uh, I knew yeah. as I got older that I wanted to try to incorporate, uh, I guess, the outdoor lifestyle into my into my job and into one, in my profession and everything. So. That's kind of kind of how I got my start in the outdoors. Yeah, man, that's awesome to hear. Being your age, you're you're kind of young. What are you? Twenty six, maybe. Yeah, you nailed it. Twenty six on the dot. Twenty six. Yeah, man, I, it's awesome to hear that there's still young people that have the drive for the outdoors man. that we did. You know, I'm forty. It, it's uh, it's nice to hear that you all still have the drive and stuff that we had when we was when we was younger. You know, I mean, you it, it shows us that the tradition is still alive and still still going well so yeah uh if you want to go into talking about that uh story from that buck you killed on the november there the 21st i think it's when you harvested that 10 point yeah yeah i can't i don't remember the exact date but it, it was around there i think uh maybe i take that back i think it was the 20th uh because i had killed i killed another deer a few years ago on the 20th and that's the reason i'm able to remember but uh i got you so th- this buck um I found him. I, I killed a deer earlier in one of the Bow Only counties in like September 27th, 28th. It, it was the end of September, just the first few days into season. And uh, 
then I, so I immediately started looking, you know, cause that was my deer in the bow only counties. And then I immediately started looking for a deer in, uh, you know, a gun County because you can only harvest one buck in those counties. Um, so I started looking for a buck and, uh, I, you know, I just scattered trail cameras. I didn't have any type of any summer photos, no history in this area I was hunting, um, just kind of a new area to me. But I felt like there would be a big deer there. And, uh, you know, I just I just started paying attention to it. So I scattered cameras out and it took about a week or two. And uh, that deer eventually popped up. And at this point, it was towards the end of October, because after I killed that deer, I was like, hey, I'm going to buckle down and, and hammer out work. And uh, I was like, I, I'm good for the year. So I, uh, of course, mid-October starts rolling around and, and you know how it is. Everybody's, I, I've still got that same itch, but you know, as soon as I kill one buck, I'm thinking about the next one. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, anyways, I got pictures of that deer and, uh, I hunted him all, all, uh, November. Um, I, I don't know how many sits I had on him, but the, the area I was hunting, I could, I have an a, a electric dirt bike, actually, and I use it, one, to look at properties when I go take photos of properties and stuff with whitetail properties. Um, but I also use it to access a lot of the places I hunt. And I could slip in and hunt that deer pretty much undetected without leaving much scent or anything in the area. And so I set on him a lot more than I do deer. Um, normally, you know, normally I'm pretty... Uh, laid back and and I I don't go in those areas until it's time to kill. But I actually I really hunted him, yeah. and I had I think two. I saw him twice out of the stand, and then one morning I heard him fighting another buck uh, and just absolutely duking it out before daylight. But uh, yeah, so this was like your your third encounter with this buck, this right? Third encounter, yep. Third encounter, That's awesome. Yep, and. Uh, uh, so anyways, I was, I was out scouting. It was, uh, you know, rifle season was about to come in and I was getting anxious because you know how it is. Bucks leave properties. They go here, they go here. A, you know, a lot of, if you're hunting a deer in a rifle County, it's a lot of people come out opening day of rifle season. So it's easy for your target yeah. buck to get, to get killed. So I, I was scouting, uh, and of course I had my bow with me, but I wasn't thinking, you know, that I would actually get an opportunity. Well, then sure enough, I was glassing and uh, happened to see the buck, him, in a uh, uh, in a vulnerable place where I, I thought I could kill him. Uh, and he was feeding with the doe. So I, uh, you know, I kind of, I, I glassed him and decided, I took a while, you know, to decide how I wanted to approach him. Um, well, it felt like a while. In reality, it probably wasn't five minutes, but uh, I got the wind, blow, you know, hit me in the face. And uh, I was able to slip in on him at uh, 37 yards. I drew back on him and wasn't able to, uh, you know, I wasn't able to get a shot at 37 when I was full draw. I was just, I wasn't expecting it to, to you know, I, I was just tore up and I couldn't, I could not get my pin to steady. So I let off and uh, he actually fed closer to me and I got him, I think probably within 20 and uh, I drew on him again and double lunged him and he didn't make it, you know, 20, 30 yards. Wow. That's crazy. Sorry about that. I coughed and I was, I thought I was <laughs> muted. That was my bad. You're fine. Jeez. You're fine. It's one of them things you think you're muted. And I'm looking over to screen here. Cause on our message chat line, 
<laughs> yeah. Unprofessional. Yeah, you got that right. I'm, I'm sure you. Unbelievable. I'm sure you guys never mess up. Man, we are oh. perfect, dude. Hey, that edit button makes us perfect. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfectly screw ups. <laughs> I hear you. But so you was in your socks on that deer, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, I totally left that part out. You know, I try not yeah. to. I was like, I know, I know. where is this going to come in at? I know. <laughs> I know. You have to, I, listen, I, I feel like sometimes I'm rambling, so I just shorten the story and just, you know. No, we but, want all uh, the details, man. So, yeah, you got to give the meat. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I don't know if you all have ever tried stocking a deer with your socks on versus off, but I mean, with your shoes on versus <laughs> off, but it makes a big difference. That morning it was 20, it was probably 20 degrees and there was a solid frost on. And uh, I knew, like, I knew when I took my boots off, I was, my feet were going to be freezing and that would be it for the day. You know, normally I keep a, uh, I keep an extra pair of socks in my truck just for when I do this. Cause I have a tendency, you know, to do it a lot because I feel so much more confident with no shoes on. And I was wearing big rubber boots. Uh, and, and it, it, they're, they're just, they're not good for stocking. Um, so anyways, I, I felt like I was like, I have a legitimate shot to kill him. I don't have to worry about rifle season. I can kill him right now. And, uh, I was like, it's all or nothing. So I took those boots off and I, you know, the, I made that story, that story nice and short and sweet, but really it was probably a 30 minute stock as far as me just taking my time. And you, you can't, it's, you just got to go slow. I've learned over the years stocking, yeah. stocking these deer, you know, you, you've got to go slow and, and you got to more so let it develop rather than you forcing it to happen and, you know, getting aggressive and just going, 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 just take your time with it. So Anyways, I took my boots off and for 30 minutes stocked him and, you know, it was probably 21 or 22 degrees and my feet were, were so cold, but it didn't matter because, you know, it was. Your feet were numb, wasn't they? Right. Right. I mean. Yeah, it, you probably couldn't even feel them, so it didn't matter. <laughs> right. You right, know something, so, Kirk, uh, about me, uh, I have size 15 shoes. So when I take my boots off, I'm just as loud <laughs> as, when I, as when I have them on. So it wouldn't help right. much. The people coming hunting behind him will think Bigfoot was in the area. <laughs> yeah, if he takes those boots off for sure. I gotcha. Oh, so yeah, I mean that was yeah. that was it. I, I mean, if you if you are you know listening to this, if if you've never if you if you have a deer that you can kill on the ground and you feel like you're going to have to walk, take your boots off and just listen how much more quiet you are. <laughs> That's great advice. I mean, oh yeah, it works. running through your head when the adrenaline is going like that. You know, you 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 wouldn't think of something like that. But I mean, and that's why your feet. You know, you still have feet because all the all the adrenaline running through your body. All right. That's that's just like moccasins. You know, those are actually some of the best things you can wear while you're hunting because they are quiet. I mean, them Indians yeah. didn't have it wrong for all them years. You know. Oh yeah, right. right. Well, they even sell a uh, like a moccasin type cover that you can slip over your boots just for stocking. But I mean, I haven't. Oh really? Yeah, I haven't used them. Uh, but I, like I said, I normally keep an extra pair of socks in my pack or in the truck just for situations like that. Nice. That's awesome. That's that's a great story, man. That's that's what it's made about right there. You know, that's something you'll remember forever. Had to. 30 minute walk to kill that thing and just pair of socks right yeah i mean but, 
Who, where else are you going to hear a story like that? I mean, I when I first heard that from Jason, I was like, oh, my God, we've got to have him on the podcast so he can tell this story. I have never heard of anybody stalking a deer in their socks. I've never done that. I've never heard that either. But uh, right. it's it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always try to walk, you know, toe to heel, toe to heel, you know, so anything in front of me doesn't, you know, a lot, a lot of yeah. it causes a lot of the sound waves go back. But I've never even thought for a second to take my boots off. Yeah, but your toe to heel's a mile apart. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I try to teach my son to be quiet in the woods, and it's like, uh, you know, a mini freaking grizzly bear running through the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a hard thing to teach when they're young still. They don't know how to they don't know how to be quiet in the woods even even if you show them it's still a learning curve for them. Yep. But uh, I'd like to talk about a little bit of other adventures that you've been blessed with in the outdoor industry. I know you guys do a lot of bear hunting as well. Don't you hit on that a little bit. Okay, yeah. So uh that's actually what I was I was doing today. Um December is my my favorite time to to bear hunt. Uh we bear hunt with dogs. Um, West Virginia is a is a great state to live in uh, for a houndsman because we have a an all year training season. Um, we can run bears all the time. So uh, I nice. it's uh, I I didn't grow up. My dad didn't hound hunt. My grandpa no, they're not houndsmen. Um, but you know, just like I said, I have a uh, I have a, a strong passion for the outdoors. I mean, that's that's my addiction. That's that's what I want to do. So the first time I went bear hunting, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is a lot of fun and it's not what I thought it was. You know, I thought it was for, I mean, a lot of people think it's for lazy guys, but it's, it's the exact opposite. A lot of times I feel after I get home from bear hunting that, uh, you know, I just got in a fight because I'm tripping, falling down a mountain, running after bears, catching dogs, you know, you, you don't know what, every day is a new adventure, but with West Virginia, we can run our dogs, uh, all throughout the summer and stuff. And for a houndsman, you know, it's not, it's not about killing the bear. Uh, I could care less truly about killing a bear. For me, it's about getting to work my dogs, spend time in the outdoors. And like today we had a, a young yeah. man with us that, uh, killed his first bear. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I like doing is, you know, in, you know, introducing people to the outdoors and, uh, just, just having a good time with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, bear hunt with dogs and, and that's, you know, a lot of times they don't even go out for the kill. They're just, they're out there enjoying the outdoors. They're, they're training their dogs. They're getting them better. That way, if they get the opportunity, like you said, somebody that's never even got a chance to bear hunt, never killed a bear, you know, your dogs are trained up for it. They're ready to go. When you, when you turn them loose, you get that other guy to, that's never got a chance. He gets the chance. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, now I've actually heard this Kirk just to kind of get your take on this um i've had a cousin tell me this and then uh another man that's related uh to my father-in-law um that uh they both say that they got heart shots on a bear and that bear still charged at them uh with no heart essentially <laughs> i mean is that something you've heard of or seen or anything before um it, it, it's not something that i particularly heard of Okay. Um, I mean, what I would say maybe that is just, uh, you know, I, I, I guess it's just the little, little, little bit of life they have left in them, a little bit of breath right. they have left in them. Uh, this right. is they final few to... steps. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. nothing, nothing can survive without a heart. 
Yeah, that well, I mean, you know, and and so like my uh, uh, my cousin, of course, you know, it 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 died. He said it came running at him and died within like five feet of him. You know, just kind of fell in the dirt, and he wow. was pretty stunned by it. But the other guy, he said, you know, he carried a pistol as well, and he emptied the pistol into the bear. And then the bear went down in the river and died, you know, beside of him. So it was just, I don't know. It was just I heard that a couple of times, and I thought, man, for a, for a first-time hunter to go out there, you know, uh, might be a good idea to have a safe distance when you're shooting one. I don't know. I've never been bear hunting myself, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, I mean, and they are incredibly tough animals. And, you know, of course, uh, people just assume all bears are – I mean, this is, I, I hear this all the time. It's like all bears are, I'll say like, how big was that bear you saw? And somebody will say 300 pounds. I'm like, well, chances are it was not 300 pounds. Uh, you know, they, the average bear in, in for instance, for the state of West Virginia is maybe 150 pounds. Um, and 150 pound bear is super athletic. If you, if you strip the hide yeah. from that, and uh, especially in the spring and summer when they don't have any fat on them, those bears are so athletic, so strong. They can climb anything. They're fast, uh, you know, and and they're just they're they're such tough animals. It's it's they're truly unreal. So how big was that one that your buddy Chad killed there uh, recently? That one on official scales weighed three seventy four. Wow, so that's that's a good size bear for west virginia for absolutely sure. and especially yeah, in a... december uh in, in the latter part of december because a lot of bears start uh holing up is what we call it so they start going into hibernation um in, De- in december especially the yep. bigger ones um so that'll probably be the biggest bear we kill in december i mean going back to what dave said i mean there's probably some truth behind what you know his family there has said i mean you you have you taken the taken and cut the head off of a snake and it'll still try to connect itself back together and you know it'll still move around and the nerves and things different nerve endings i mean you cut the head off a chicken it's still gonna run around with its head cut off so Uh, i would say there's some there's some truth behind that when when you you know with an animal like that i mean it's just bigger animal i mean yeah i've actually had the the head of a copperhead try to bite it's that it's that fight or flight thing just like we have as humans yeah I mean, I've actually, to go as far to talk about deer doing that, I've actually, you know, witnessed deer, you know, they'll go down in an area. That's why they say, you know, usually wait about 25, 30 minutes before you go start tracking just to make sure it's going to die all the way. But uh, we've actually went and, you know, went after deer and they'll be laying there and you'll find like leaves and stuff in its wound to where it tried to pack itself so it wasn't going to bleed out anymore. I mean, their survival is just, you know, it's like Dan was saying, fight or flight, survival of the fittest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And actually I have a, a good story on like what you're talking about this, the year, this year, the first buck I killed, um, he, I, he was slightly quartering to me and I double lunged him. Um, I caught the, you know, a, a uh, I centered up his first lung and then caught the backside of it uh, when I gutted him of the other lung. Um, and then it passed through, you know, a section of guts and, and, and intestines and stuff. But when I shot him, it actually knocked him off his feet, literally knocked him. I've never seen anything like it. The deer weighed 182 gutted. So he was a, a big bodied deer and it actually knocked him off his feet and he, he, he got back up. I mean, it was like a gunshot. He got back up and then turned and walked 
straight up, turned and walked uphill, which normally, you know, it's not a good sign when you shoot a deer with a bow. Um, walks uphill, and then I see him, you know, he's having a, a hard time, and he stops, and I can tell he's, he's going to bed down. Well, then 20 minutes later, he rolls off the hill and then eventually dies. Um, but it took him all that time to die. So, I mean, they definitely, you know, you, you never know exactly you know, how quick it's going to happen. But in, in that case, that beer didn't, you know, bust out of there running hard. And it, and it took him, I, I saw the whole thing. It took him 20 minutes to die. Oh yeah. I guarantee it, man. That's just, it's just crazy. Well, uh, circle back here, talking a little bit about your, uh, time there with whitetail properties and what you do with them and how you got started in how you're doing with them right now and you know how amount of properties you sold or okay how many you got listed there okay yeah, yeah. uh so i uh i recently went through a career change at the beginning of the year um and i started with i got actually officially hired on i think with whitetail properties in february uh and then it wasn't till uh june i went through orientation and then really kind of got things kicked off in july um but Whitetail Properties has been in the state for a few years now, um, but there was only two Whitetail Properties guys covering all uh, all of West Virginia. So, you know, that's a ton, a ton of territory for just two guys. Um, and in the southern part of the state, it hasn't been yep. nearly as, uh, you know, the, the the presence hasn't hasn't been there. Um, so Whitetail Properties is a, a new concept to a lot of people. And, the, you know, a lot of people just assume that, well, first, they think Whitetail Properties is about leasing land, um, which uh, you know I get messages every day of people wanting to lease land. But we are, you know, we're, we're a real yep. estate uh, company. Uh, Whitetail Properties, the headquarters in Illinois is the broker. Um, of course, and we're, we have a West Virginia broker. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's doing really good so far for me uh, down here. I mean, it's it's starting to catch on. Um, we've got a n- number of listings on the website and. Uh, I'm really excited about bringing a market to the bow only counties uh, of West Virginia because I have buyers calling from all over the place. Uh, and the number one state is, is Florida for out of state buyers. Uh, people looking for property in, in the bow only counties, which I think is wild that that uh, property down there is becoming that popular. Um, and there's not a lot down there. And that's the thing is if you own property down there, um, you know, it's, it's a special thing because most of those counties are owned by lane companies. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah. You talked earlier about how it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, kind of been slow starting off, but it's, it's really starting to take off now and you've had some, some good sales there and we, uh, we got one of your, uh, testimonials here from one of your clients, Charles H. Jr., he said that uh, Kirk takes the initiative to handle all matters himself, something other agents would not do. He is motivated, hardworking, punctual, professional, and easy to deal with. So you've got some good reviews there coming from your clients. So that's You've got a good base, and sounds like you're starting out well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I try to treat everybody as, as if they were my own family. Uh, a lot of the people, a lot of landowners you're working with are sometimes uh, older people and stuff, and so... I would want someone taking taking care of my grandparents um, in the way that I, I'm taking care of these people. Um, and of course, not everybody's older, but I just always try to use that as my perspective that, uh, you know, I'm working with family. Yeah. And that's the way I want people to feel when I, you know, when I'm selling their land or I'm representing them as a buyer. Yeah, that's an awesome way to look at it, man. 
So Dan mentioned there earlier some other adventures and journeys that you've been in. So uh, your third cousin, Jason, he kind of uh, spilt the beans and let us know some other things about you. So you've actually been with some high-profile people in the outdoor industry at one time. Tell us a little bit about those stories. Yep. Uh, so I, uh, when I was, I started filming hunts, uh, when I was in high school and, uh, just, I mean, I, of course I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was just hunting and filming really, really, I should have just been hunting because it's, it's key. <laughs> well, you got to start right? somewhere, you know, right. So it's, it's key to learn how to actually hunt before you start filming it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's an important part that a lot of people, including myself miss out on. Uh, but I kind of learned them both hand in hand at the same time. Um, and I'm still learning, of course, uh, I'm by, by no means an expert in either field, but, uh, uh, so I started filming my hunts when I was young, um, just because, you know, I mean, you see the guys on TV and stuff and that's, that's who you want to be. A lot of people, they look up to football or basketball players or whatever. And I, I played, you know, I played basketball, football and baseball in high school, but I never wanted to be a professional athlete. I always wanted to be the guys on TV killing big bucks. Uh, yeah. so I, uh, I, you know, I started filming my hunts and then, uh, you know, I had just all kinds of different footage, but I didn't, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I had, I put it together kind of like a highlight reel of all the, the stuff I had done. And uh, anyways, long story short, I got an opportunity to go work uh, for the TV show Buck Commander, uh, Duck Commander. And they had a new show at the time, which I don't think it, it no longer exists, called Finn Commander, which was a fishing uh, show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember that with Godwin and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I was all that first footage you, you saw of that show was I had filmed uh, a, a large, large portion of it. Um, so I was 19 years old. Um, I took a break from college. Um, I was too young. You have to be, a, I went to WVU and you have to be a junior in order to take like a, and uh, uh, in, I guess internship. Um, so it, it wasn't actually an official internship, but I was a, uh, a cameraman for their shows. And for one fall semester, that's all I did was fly. I mean, I flew all over the country uh, filming. Um, I filmed. Oh wow! I filmed Luke Bryan for a week elk hunting in Colorado. Um, oh man, that'd be yeah, awesome! I filmed uh, Tombo Martin uh, mule deer hunt in Oregon. Um, I was just—I mean, I was all over the place, uh, and I, I've got so many, you know cool you know stories about just that entire experience that you know I, I that made it worth it all i mean they paid me while i was doing it but they to be honest they didn't have to pay me a dollar and i'd still do it so, yeah not today you just but enjoyed then, it being there just being there yeah 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 so oh but and that's yeah, awesome yeah but it was it was i mean it, the whole experience was was just unreal i mean it, to be 19 years old i mean I, I knew i should be appreciating it and of course i was but now looking back on it you know it was just what I was doing was, was, was unreal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the, the experience it gave you too, the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just watching them, watching them guys on TV, I mean, they would be a hoot to hang out with. So, so, uh, who was your favorite one out of the group to, to videotape on a hunt? Probably, uh, probably Tombo, uh, just because, you just you didn't know you know what to expect what he was going to do next uh he was just all over the place he was a lot of fun uh <laughs> but hey i'll say this you know luke bryan was uh 
you know, of course, I hear guys all the time call his music pop country uh, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, one of the most down to earth family men. And when we elk hunted, we got up every morning. He didn't miss a day. He was hard after it. And I have a ton of respect for him. I have a ton of respect for him all. But, you know, he was that was that hunt was really That's cool. awesome. Yeah, it's, you kind of often hear different things, and somebody from your perspective, we get to hear, you know, how these guys actually really are, you know. I mean, that's that's one of the cool things about it. When it comes down to it, they're just like everybody else, but they've just made a, a name for themselves, and rightfully so, you yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, a name for themselves and millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that you that you got to share on a, on a journey in the woods you know i mean that's that's awesome man yeah yeah it was and, and so uh and that 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 was my true you know i guess like kickstart in the outdoor industry once i did that i i guess i got taken a lot more seriously because when you're that young you know everybody just looks at you as a young teenage punk uh but that really helped me i guess kind of get established and have some type of uh you know, real presence in the outdoor industry, which, you know, led to me now where I'm out at Whitetail Properties. So I'm, I'm very grateful for uh, what they did for me. And, uh, you know, that was a special time that I'll always, you know, talk about, you know, because I'll tell my kids stories one day. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that you can pass down that awesome stories that you can share with them for sure. You know, another thing we like to do on our podcast here is our salute to Valor. Tonight, we're going to salute James G. Ross. He was born in Charleston, West Virginia. He was originally from Cross Lanes, but he retired to Quick West Virginia. He uh, entered the service in 1989 as a private, and he retired in 2016 with the rank of major. He completed 27 years of service. He was stationed at multiple bases, including Fort Benning, Fort Campbell, Fort Rucker. He was stationed at Carson. Uh, Fort Carson, and also Fort Polk. He did some uh, tours over in Panama, Germany, with the uh, National Training Center in California. He was at Fort Lewis, Washington, and he retired from Joint Base McGuire-Dix in Lakehurst. He had multiple tours of service, including Desert Storm to Operation Iraqi Freedom. You know, he, he was awarded combat awards such as the Bronze Star, multiple meritus service ribbons and he got his combat infantry badge as well as a combat action badge so he was you know he he went from the working class to the officer ranks while he was in there so that's that's a pretty sweet sweet deal you know he he moved up in rank pretty well so you know we want to thank him for his service and everything yeah. he's done sacrificed for our country yep definitely We've had James Ross on the show. Uh, he was on the show when we did his uh, high atop the Continental Divide out in Colorado. And he was sitting right there by a fire, and you could hear it crackling in the background. So if that's not, if that's one of the episodes that you all haven't listened to out there, go check that episode out because it was really good. It was full of really good information. And there were three service guys out there, you know, hunting right off the Continental Divide Trail just spending time together in outdoors, you know, it's something that they do every year. And, uh, James is a good friend of ours. He owns Laurel Fork farms and outdoors. Yeah. Uh, you know, we go to most of the trade shows here with him in West Virginia. Great guy, great family. And, uh, we just thank him. Yep. He was out there with the, yep. 
The, the Tims. Tims. The two Tims. Old Tim and Young Tim. <laughs> the, the Young Tim and the Old Tim. But yeah, we just thank him for his service, and yep. we appreciate everything he's done for our country. Yes, that, sir. Uh, thank you for your service. seven years that he was in there. So, you know, he, he's, he definitely laid his uh, a good portion awesome. of his life down for us. So, so Kirk, uh, getting back to you here, what uh, what are your plans for the rest of the year as far as hunting's concerned, getting outside? Okay, so, uh, you know, we'll finish out probably the rest of the year uh, bear hunting. Um, so uh, that'll take us, you know, to the 31st. Uh, but we also, we also take our dogs and uh, we take them out west and mountain lion hunt. Um, and this actually this past week, I was, we already went to New Mexico once, uh, we killed a Tom out there this past week and then, uh, drove back. And as soon as we got back, we took off bear hunt, which I, I worked a couple of days there. And then the last three days I bear hunted and, uh, tomorrow I'm back to work. So, uh, just kind of just working, working, hunting. I'm either doing one or the other. <laughs> so if you were to take us with you bear hunting. Because, uh, you know, we really want to go. Anyway, um, <laughs> what uh, what kind of gun, like, like I got a forty four mag. Is that, uh, is that something that, uh, that I could bring along and be, be proficient with that? Or is that, is that something might be a little too small? Should I go with a rifle? Yeah, okay. So, you know, I have a, a forty four mag in, it's a Marlin uh, forty four. Uh, it's a rifle. Um, it's plenty. It's plenty. Um, I prefer rifles over pistols um, just because, you know, I, I've seen guys be a lot more accurate with rifles than pistols. Um, I've killed bears with pistols. I've killed them with rifles, and I, I tend to, one, prefer a rifle. Uh, the rifle that I carry is a – it was my uh, great-grandfather's rifle, and it's a thirty-five Remington. Um, it, yeah, it's tough, tough to come by the the rounds. So whenever I pull the awesome trigger round. on it, it's it's the right shot. I don't waste rounds. Um, right. But yeah, because you get on Gun Broker right now and a box of them. You know, it's the only place you can find them in stock, and they're like a hundred bucks yeah. for a box of twenty. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, wow. Yeah, yeah I, de- I used to deer hunt with a thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've. It's just about impossible now. I need to find somebody that reloads. Um, that's great. You know, just just because of the, the price of ammo. Exactly. Yeah, I think we should all be reloading. Personally, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't like anybody uh, being able to regulate how I can defend myself or hunt or anything like that. You know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. Man, I tell you what. I mean, it's it's hard to sometimes it's hard to find thirty odd six yeah. ammo. I'm like, this should be like yeah, one of the, the easiest the rounds to find in West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, you thirty thirty sometimes. You would think. Uh, so I, I live, you know, pretty close to uh, the Charleston Cabela's, South Charleston Cabela's, and every time I walk in there, the caliber they have in stock is three oh eight, uh, and the the rifle I use is a seven millimeter. But I can hardly find. I shoot a, you know, I don't like. I don't just switch ammo. I shoot a, a specific round. It's a, a Hornady. Um, and I can never find it in stock, hardly online or or over there in Cabela's. And so, I, you know, moving on, I believe I'm just going to switch to the 308 uh, caliber just because it is constantly in stock for whatever reason. Um, but that seven millimeter is tough to come by. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. But it's a it's a great round, you know. Go ahead, Dave. Well, I was just going to say I just picked up a you know a, a six five Creedmoor earlier earlier in the year and i used it for the first time this year but uh you know the 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 rounds are easily available you know online 
uh, you know, of course, y- your cheapest box is going to be about 40 bucks a box, um, which to me is still insane. I mean, you know, I, I remember spending 20 bucks a box for my 30 out 6 ammo growing up, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean, you just look at uh, 22 shells right now. I mean, 22 shells are like $20 a box. I mean, you used to be able to get them for like seven. Yeah, I remember that. And 410, you can forget about finding 410. <laughs> you know, whether it be self-defense yeah. 410 rounds or shotgun rounds, oh, whatever. Man. It's hard. Yeah, it's, that goes back to the story with my son this year. We, we're getting everything ready, and, you know, we we get up that morning, and it was the night before, too. I said, son, you better get your, your uh, ammo ready and stuff for your gun, and he hunts with a 410. He's like, yeah, it's it's all good to go. We get in the truck, and he's like, um, Dad, I don't have any ammo for my 410. So we leave the 410 at home, and we took the 30 6 Yeah. Well, we get to the woods, and he sees this nice 10-point. And, you know, this was like 430 in the evening. <clears throat> we get off the side-by-side, and he walks out on this point, and he sees this buck that was chasing a doe. And uh, he kneels down, and... He took a shot at it, and that thirty out six man blew him back on his butt. <laughs> That's the first time he's ever shot it. But I told him, I said, you know, you you don't have any ammo for yours. We can't find it uh, in the stores, and you're gonna have to shoot thirty out six. So he did. But we get back down to the truck after the hunt, and he's like, "Oh, Dad, I got two four ten shells slugs in my backpack." <laughs> And I was like, man, that sucks, because <clears throat> if you would have had your 410, there's no doubt in my mind you would have laid that buck down. So I said, well, you got a you got a nice buck story to tell now for your buddies. Right, right. You know he was anticipating that, that 30-06 kick. You know, he was thinking about it. And that would have been that would have been the difference maker. That's funny you, you said that, because I killed my yeah. first buck. It was a uh, it was a West Virginia 11-point to spike. Uh, nice. And my dad, he told me, looking back on it, I know he's full of it, but he told me I was using a thirty out six semi-automatic. I, I I don't even know what what I don't know what I don't know what brand I don't know what it was, but uh, he told me that it was a low powder uh, thirty out six <laughs> round, and so it wouldn't kick me. And so I went out there with all the confidence in the world and had no idea, you know, and I killed the deer. But looking back on it, I know it wasn't. Uh, he just told me that so I wouldn't be intimidated by it. <laughs> yeah, wow. Definitely. That's crazy. Well, my, you know, and I told him, sorry. I told him that he was going to have, you know, it was going to kick and he was ready for it to a point, you know, but I give it to him for, for taking it and shooting it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that in itself. And I, I, a good idea. I, I've heard of people doing this with uh, either, you know, women or kids or even men. I mean, it could be for anybody, but they'll take someone that maybe they're a new hunter or whatever, and they'll go to the range with them. And whenever they're shooting, you know, maybe they're shooting a two and three quarter inch shell or, or a shot of a shotgun for turkey season or whatever it is. But when they're actually hunting, they're using that three inch TSS round that has some oomph to it. Yeah. But in that moment, yep they don't feel it. You know, they got all that adrenaline. No. The last thing they're thinking about is the kick if they're not anticipating yeah. it. So, yeah. And I, I think it's kind of good that it happened this way because he's never once wanted to shoot it. We've been at the range plenty of times when I've been shooting it, sighting it in for, you know, deer season. And I'm like, Hey son, you want to shoot the 30 out six? No, I'm good. I'll just, I'm, I'm good. With my 14, you know, so it got him into it to now he knows what it feels like. 
He, he don't have to worry about it and anticipate the hit no more in the shoulder. And, uh, I think he'll, he'll be ready for next year and he can shoot that 30 out six. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That's awesome. Well, uh, one of the things that we like to do during our podcast is our verse of the day. And I think Dave's got that ready to go. We got her, got her ready to go. Verse of the day tonight is, uh, out of John chapter seven, verse 37. Um, and uh, it says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that, you know, we, we always try to take, you know, verses, look how they apply today, look how we can apply them in our lives or, or how we're already applying them in our lives. You know, a lot of people, um, uh, you know, do that. Uh, but here, he, what he's talking is, he says, hey, if if anybody's thirsting for something that's bigger than themselves, um, you know, we, we always, I, I heard this one time, I heard that, uh, you know, man's got uh, basically a hole in the center of themselves that's a God-shaped hole. The only person that can fill it is God, you know, and you just, you see people running the rat race of life trying to, you know, fulfill themselves um, you know, but really there's only one person that can really fulfill you and make you who you're supposed to be. And that's Jesus. And, and that's just, you know, Definitely. that's just the way that it is. That's the simple truth of the matter. Um, you know, a- a- everything that we do in life as Christians, uh, you know, we do it with, I mean, he's with us, you know, we go to the woods, man, I, I, I go to the woods so many times, not wanting to even kill something. I'm just outside trying to spend time with him, you know? And, uh, yeah, definitely. So anyway, um, if you're thirsting for something more than yourself, he's that's, that's the guy you're thirsty for. That's good, man. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it just goes back to us always talking about spending time in outdoors and things like that, you know, I mean, you got to realize what's important and God, family, country, and everything outdoors. I mean, that goes back to our platform here on the podcast. So, um, it's good, Dave. Thank you, brother. We appreciate that. You always do a good job with that first of the day there. Thanks, man. Well, back to bear hunting. So, uh, that's how you're going to finish out this year. Kirk, what's your plans for 2023? Anything new coming up? Uh, I know you said that whitetail properties there are starting to take off and things, so I'm sure you got some things in the works for them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, beginning of the year there, I plan on hammering down. Um, I've got a lot of listings coming up that I'm excited about, and of course, I've got listings on the website that are that I think are great. Um, but I plan on hammering down with work and uh, moving some land. Um, but going into this year, I. Uh, I've got a uh, a few preference points in Wyoming for mule deer, and so uh, I may try to draw a mule deer tag. Um, and I, I've I've went out there once and killed a mule deer, and I really liked the area I was in, so uh, I may try to head back there um, come October for the rifle season. Uh, I'm not dead set on that yet. We'll see how things play out, but uh, that's kind of something different that I, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, man, that'll be an awesome trip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh. I absolutely just love chasing mule deer. Um, it's a different style of hunting. It's a lot of glassing, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, after I killed my first one, I, I was, I was hooked on it. Yeah. I tell you, one of the things that I want to do 
it's on my bucket list is elk hunt. I want to kill an elk so bad. Me too. <laughs> no doubt. Dave's like, yeah, me too. That, no doubt. This year I, I was lucky and uh, two, I know two gentlemen that uh, they're friends of mine that had Kentucky elk tags and I was able to tag along with them and uh, help them. Uh, and I also filmed it. Uh, I helped them har- harvest bulls. Uh, one was a, a archery and oh, the nice. other one was a rifle. But uh, that was that was just a blast. I mean, I was literally sleeping yeah. in West Virginia and then getting up in the mornings and driving to go elk hunt. You know, I never thought I'd be doing that. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah and everybody I talk to says it's like turkey hunting. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love turkey hunting. So I'm going to love elk hunting. All right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, there's a lot of similarities. Hey, but you got to watch this. If you say that to those Western guys, sometimes they get offended. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They think that's, they think that's, uh, you know, I guess. Like an insult. It's an insult, yeah. It's like, oh, turkey, you know, dumb bird, comparing that to a magnificent elk. Wow. Uh, I see the correlation. Wow. but Yeah, but what they haven't had is they haven't had a West Virginia mountain bird. That's the thing. <laughs> them them uh, central, you know, United States out west, those birds out there. In my opinion, they're a lot easier to kill than an eastern Dude, bird. Dumb turkeys. Those are dumb turkeys. We got smart ones. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. That's funny. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to about do it for this evening, Kirk. We appreciate you coming on and you know spending time with us here this evening and uh, just filling us in on all the different exciting things and adventures that you've been on in your life. I mean, you've had some great opportunities with some great people and to spend that time with them in the outdoors and in the outdoor industry. So we appreciate you coming on. All right, fellas. Yeah. Thanks, Kirk. Happy to have you, man. You know, if if you all want to get a hold of Kirk, uh, you can get a hold of him about general land and hunting property. All he can help you with all your hunting property needs here in West Virginia in the Southern counties. Uh, he's focusing more on the bow only counties here in West Virginia. He said, but, uh, Basically, anywhere in southern West Virginia, give him a call at 304-784-5904, or you can call the office at 217-285-9000, and you will get a hold of his broker there, and she will direct you to him, I'm pretty sure. But that's uh, 304-784-5904, and you can also email him at kirk.price at whitetailproperties.com. So, Kirk, we just thank you again for coming on and really appreciate it, man. We had a great evening. Thanks, Kirk. Everybody, thanks for listening this evening. Be sure to check us out on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music. Um, we have a Facebook page there on the limb with Nature's Voice Game Calls. Get on there and give us a share, give us a like. And uh, we're on about every different outlet that you can think of to, to listen to there. So, This episode will air on uh, Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., so be sure to give it a listen and give it a share. So thank you all. Hope everybody has a great evening, and this is our last episode till after the first of the year. We'll be back after the first of the year. So everybody have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks for listening, guys. This segment of On the Limb with Nature's Voice Game Calls is brought to you by AMG Network Hosting, LLC, a national independent agent for most major telecommunication service providers. If your business is in need of internet, phones, credit card processing, let AMG Hosting help you compare options. They work with over 100 national carriers 
and they can help you choose the best option for your needs. Our independence means we are loyal to our customers, not a brand or a company. Call us today at 304-608-3653 or visit us at amgnhconsulting.com. AMGNHConsulting.com. Phone number again is 304 608 3653. AMG Network Hosting LLC.